0: Hey guys, it is time for another Successfully Unemployed show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to become financially independent, never work that J-O-B, that just overbroke job again, because we are financially independent, self-independent, and make sure that we make money on our own without a job. Now, today we're going to be talking all about creating podcasts and creating an empire of different podcasts where we are reaching thousands, if not millions of people. And in today's show, I am super excited that I'm bringing on somebody who is a fantastic podcaster. Number one, he's super, super funny. But number two, he absolutely knows his stuff. He has so many people following him and listening to his show. And it turns out that his show is almost like a variety show, like a nighttime show. And it's very, very fun. I listen to his show, and it's fantastic. So he's also building up more podcasts. He's getting other people that have podcasts coming along with him. It is terrific seeing him build this podcasting empire where he is reaching thousands and thousands of people, if not more, with great, great insights and great information. And I brought on the show Joe with Stacking Benjamins and all the other shows that he has as well. But Joe, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show and showing us and sharing with us all your wealth of wisdom on becoming successfully unemployed with a podcast and being everything on there. So thank you so much.
1: I feel like, Dustin, I owe you 10 bucks for talking so nicely about me. So
0: thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Well, honestly, I am super excited to have you because you have so much knowledge. In fact, you have so many different podcasts. You've done so many. There's so much wisdom there. So take us back to the very beginning when you were working a regular job, because this is the whole thing about being successful and employed. I started pushing carts at Walmart when I was 17. Long story short, now I invest in rental properties. I don't need to work. Same thing with you. You started, you're a normal person, just like me. You started. Now tell us about when you first started in the business and then you eventually yep. sold it and all that sort of stuff. Tell us about that process. Yeah, sure.
1: Well, you know, I, what I realized about myself from a very young age was that there was a discrepancy uh, in most companies when you're an employee. I had, I really wanted badly to impress my customer, but at the same time, I'd impress this guy or woman over here who was my boss. And I saw people that were being promoted because they were impressing the boss and the customer kind of got lost in the shuffle. And I I really liked the connection that I had with, even when I was in high school, working at the Tasty Freeze in downtown Vicksburg, Michigan, serving soft serve ice cream, you know? If the customer was happy, I was happy. Then my boss would come and had some stupid thing they wanted to do. And I, I had a couple bosses that really didn't like me. And I really, you know, my dad was a great employee with General Motors, like a lot of people in Michigan, for, uh, for his entire career. And he always said that, you know, help the boss. And I always wanted to help the boss. But I was always frustrated that the boss wanted one thing and the customer wanted something else. And I'd have to not do what was right for the customer. So I learned at an early age, Dustin, that I'm probably a bad employee. Probably not, not really good. And my dad helped us at uh, when I was 16. My brother and I form our first business. We were we were at my cousin's wedding. My dad was really drunk. The DJ sucked, and my dad went around bragging that he thought that his two boys could probably DJ better than this idiot who was up on, up on stage. So, you know, we went home and the next day, much more sober. My dad didn't drink a ton, by the way. He said, that we're not going to have drunk dad story all day long. But, but, but my, dad, uh, my dad said, listen, you guys really want to do this. I will back you, but here's the deal. Businesses have business plans and they talk about how they're going to serve the customer. So you need to research equipment. You need to show me how you're going to advertise. What are you going to do? So my brother and I had to write out this full business plan and we had to present it to my dad. And uh, my dad backed us. We went and we bought equipment with his money. We had a interest rate, I think it was 5%. Uh, so it wasn't an egregious interest rate. It was just a little something, you know, so that we knew what we were doing. And then we went about having to please people getting married, people having parties. We, you know, we were a traveling, a 16-year-old traveling DJ. And um, it, and so I learned very early that the job at the Tasty Freeze was nowhere near as fun as a job where I could tell immediately. If I played great music, Dustin, everybody loved me. If I played crappy music, I I still had to find a way to get paid. And so you had to figure that out. Now you built that business up, right? You and your brother, we were traveling all around doing all this? We did. Yeah. It was funny. We played like every VFW hall, every local high school, uh, fraternity parties. It's a definitely a great job for young people. I tried to scale it at one point. I created, I learned how to create a corporation, created the wrong type of corporation, created a C corporation. Bad idea, by the way. Don't do that. Uh, created a C and, and um, had two other DJs working for me for a while. And there's some DJs that have successfully done that, but there's a reason why disc jockeying is still a young person. Uh, young person's game and, you know, there's little people all over the country doing it. And the reason is the barrier to entry is very low. Like I learned, it's, it's very similar to multi-level marketing. The barrier is really low, so you're going to work your butt off. Multi-level marketing, th- there could be some great opportunities out there, but when the dude down the street can do it and this other person over here can do it, it's going to be very difficult to distinguish yourself, which is why a lot of uh, MLM people, I'm probably going to make some MLM people mad, but why a lot of MLM people get lied to when they're recruited, right? That you're going to put your feet up and you're going to live this lifestyle for nothing. Not, there's no business on earth that does that. So while some MLM products are good, that, that, that's a different thing. So when I was in just finished college, I was managing a, uh, uh, the telemarketing department for a water treatment company. We went around and installed water softeners for people. So we were making appointments, confirming appointments, that type of stuff. A friend of mine who was a financial planner called me and he said, and this is a quote, he said, we normally don't hire people like you. But I think you'd be good at this. I had none of the qualifications. I knew nothing about finance. I'd watched Wall Street, so I thought it was really cool. And uh, I thought money was cool. I also like on the Today Show, like when the financial planner comes on and can tell you how to lower your electric bills or shop in the supermarket. Like I thought all that stuff was cool. Well, then, of course, I go and I become a financial planner. But at that time, it was all commissions. Next thing you know, I'm selling permanent life insurance and mutual funds with really high fees, right? So, So I had to learn all that. Um, and I actually was fairly good at that because that was what everybody did in the early '90s. And then, um, as the business changed, I changed with the business. I learned what I was doing. Also, my disc jockey work helped me do something that was uh, that that ended up being great for my career. Which was they had a big change. Our company was acquired by American Express. American Express, then the big the big uh, the big group that I worked for. So I owned a franchise. But the or was purchased by American Express. Next thing you know, I'm an American Express person. And uh, they found out that I could talk. And so I started off on a local level representing all the financial advisors in the Detroit metro area in the media. Before long, I was one of 12 advisors in the United States that were speaking on behalf of American Express in the national media. So I did all kinds of national media. stuff. I was still a financial planner, but I was kind of like that engineer who can also talk to the regular people. <laughs> So so I would talk about good financial planning on behalf of American Express. So I, I ended up on local TV a couple times a week. I was doing a radio show locally. I also had, um, I also, you know, whenever there was a, a name and outlet net nationally, I was probably on it. So I did that for a number of years. And then I thought that was going to be the end of my story. I get to be Joe, media guy. You know, I, I didn't have to do the hokey pokey. Didn't have to do the chicken dance anymore. None of that. Um, remember a bride's name. I was talking about good, helping people do better with their money. A mentor of mine, just before I turned 40, I've been in the business 15 years at that point, gave his two weeks notice that he was leaving the company. And it was a surprise because of the fact that that business, Dustin, is not the type of business where you give two weeks notice. It's the type of business. Have you ever seen Jared McGuire? It's a type of business where you leave at midnight with the client files and then at 4 a.m. or as soon as you take your clients up, everybody's calling, right? try to get the client to come with them. And uh, you know there's going to be a lawsuit. You want enough clients to come with you so you can pay the lawsuit, right? That's how the game, that's how the game anyway used to work. And uh, so he wrote this two weeks notice thing. I'm like, what the hell is this? And the letter was beautiful. It said, listen, I've been lucky. I've done good things with my money during my life. I've accumulated a nice sum of money. I really like being a financial planner, but I don't love it. So I've decided that I have other mountains to climb, in air quotes. I thought it was in air quotes. It turned out it wasn't air quotes, though. My friend Chris went and climbed Mount Everest twice. Andy's climb he's attempted it three times he was there a a few years ago when they had a couple years ago when they had all those people die Um, and it turned into a rescue operation he was helping rescue people he went there to summit and ended up rescuing people as they were coming down the mountain so um, and that's the kind of guy Chris is but um, but he's climbed most of the tallest peaks in the world and uh, that that made me think you know my big 4.0 was coming up and I thought is this really what I love or is there, is there something else? So I, I sold my business. Um, I sold it to a guy who I respected. I turned, um, I made sure all my clients knew the guy and were getting great advice from him. So I stayed around for a year. And at 40, I, um, I went back to school to become a high school English teacher and a track coach. Because now I didn't need the money. It was what I wanted to do. That's you wanted to do
0: that. Now, when you were selling that business, was that nerve wracking? Was it kind of like, oh, what am I going to do without that money? But it sounded like you already had a plan. You already knew what you wanted to do outside of that.
1: Yeah, my goal was, I was lucky in a couple of ways. Number one was I had done a decent job of investing, not at first, we could talk about what a horrible person I was with money at the beginning. Because my friend Marcus, who originally said, we don't hire people like you is correct. I knew nothing. I was a blank slate. But I grew up in farm country and I didn't know what an engineer was. I thought an engineer was a person who drove a train, which it is, but there's a different type of engineer. It turns out I have a very engineer type mind. And my son, by the way, is an engineer. Um, And I think it's part my spouse and part me, but, but I really, really can be analytical when I need to be. Um, And so I, I went from all these bad money habits to much better money habits. So I done a good job of saving. Number two is I have a spouse who also loves what she does. So she was employed. um, And a lot of people don't have that background. And we can even talk about that if you want a little bit. um, Because I, I think I still would have done it. I might have done it differently. But knowing that we were only going to drop half of our income instead of all of our income. Well, drop a little more than half. I was making more than she was. Um, but, but dropping, anyway, dropping that down was going to uh, was gonna hurt, but it was going to be okay. And then I had this bag of money that we could live on if we needed. I really didn't want to. But if we needed, I was getting this bag of money from the person I sold the business to um, that I could then use to live on to, to, to float whatever I was going to do next until I got a paycheck again. So did you actually become a teacher and a a cross country coach? So I lasted just over a year in, in, in teaching classes. And it's funny when I was selling my business, my, uh, my, my clients that were teachers when I was a planner, they said, Oh, you're going to hate teaching. And I said, why? I teach every day. I'm teaching people about money. And they said, well, yeah, but in teaching, and every teacher watching or listening is nodding their head as I say this, the creati- there's not that much creativity anymore. They've, they've taken it out of the hands of the teachers, and now you check a bunch of boxes to make sure that you, you, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. And it's a conveyor belt. And I remember one of my best professors telling me, if there's a problem in your classroom, make sure you take, take care of it yourself. Because if you send a kid to administration, if you send them to the office to get, t- it'll never be handled the way you want it to handle, never. And so, you know, education has a lot of problems. And um, during that year, I was bored. I was getting straight A's. That was cool. I realized that at 40, I was still, I still had it, man. Um, and so with all these these kids just out of school, which is also funny, I remember my, um, uh, I in this one class we were partnered up with people. My partner Whitney was, uh, I think, like a year or two older than my daughter, <laughs> and and she and I are becoming teachers together, which was kind of strange. But uh, uh, Whitney, Whitney, I think, is a great teacher wherever she is today. But I got um, I got about a year in, and during that time, because I was bored. I started just writing because I love to write. I started writing for my friends who were also in media. I would write their TV segments. I'd write if they had radio commercials they were doing, I would write those. I wrote uh, financial advisors often send out a newsletter. I was writing their blog posts. And I realized, Dustin, at a point, I remember looking at the numbers. And I was, and this is another horrible thing because teachers, as you know, are underpaid. I was making as much as a first-year teacher, but I'm in shorts and a t-shirt and I'm having a blast and I'm doing it my way. So I quit and instead opened up a blog, which then ultimately became our first podcast later on in Stacking Benjamins. That's fantastic. That's a great, great story. Now, fast forwarding
0: now to where we have Stacking Benjamins. Now, what was it like to Go, was it a big process to quit that and then actually literally just start doing stacking benjamins full time, or was it because you have everything built up from the, the nest egg that you had when you sold the business and your wife working? Was that easier to
1: move into stacking benjamins? No, it was it was a huge moat. First of all, I thought that I could blog, um, and I thought I was the only person on the internet. Not you know because I'm hey I did financial media, I, I represented a big company, throw my American Express weight around. It turned out that um, I wasn't the only person writing financial stuff online. Who knew? Who knew? I, I had no idea. So I was writing this ultra serious stuff, you know, from a from a very uh, authoritative point of view. And I realized from reading some of the great minds out there, you know, you see people in the finance area. I'll point to a people like Jay Money or Paula Pant, um, who's on our show all the time, or uh, somebody like um, uh, J.D. Roth. They write from their own personal experience. And I had never done that before. I was the voice of reason. I was the TV guy. And so making that switch was hard. But even so, the blogging world was very crowded. And at the time, I thought podcasting was crowded too. It turns out it's a lot more crowded now than it was when we started. My partner in the blog, a guy we now call OG, that's short for other guy, he and I on the blog, we said, you know, we've done radio together before. We should try to do a podcast. And we waited for a year because we were worried. Remember when you started Successfully Unemployed? Like you worried about like, how am I going to upload this? kind of equipment am I going to have? You worry about all this junk. And it turns out, as you know, the junk is not important. And learning that up here in your head is way more difficult than... It really is. The real problem for anybody creating anything is actually having something to say. That's really the hard thing. Is what am I going to say that is going to be something that's from my unique point of view and my unique style? I guess the big lesson is I shouldn't have waited a year to, to launch the podcast. Once we did launch it, now I'm podcasting and I'm blogging. And the podcast was kind of funny. It had a sense of place. And I mean, I'm happy to talk about any of that. But, but we definitely, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. And I would tell anybody, once again, getting into anything, you know, know what the competition looks like. I talked to a guy recently who makes board games and his board games are, aren't that great. And he says that he doesn't play other board games because he doesn't want to inadvertently copy them. I, it sounds fine to me, but I really ascribe to this guy, Austin Kleon much more. Austin Kleon is a guy who is an artist and he's a business, uh, uh, coach. He's written some great books, but one of my favorites is called steel like an artist. And Austin Kleon says, take people that you admire. So I, I admire Dustin and I riff on what you do to the point that I'm paying homage to it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm making it my own. I'm, I'm telling everybody that, Hey, you inspired me. I'm doing all these things, but I'm not really ripping you off. So I'm stealing, yes, but I'm stealing like an art. And, and his point is every great artist does that. Somebody who's a good chef has eaten a lot of food. You don't say, well, I don't want to steal from other chefs. So I've never eaten anybody else's food. You kidding me? No, you're going to go. So making board games, you're going to play a lot of board games. I'd listen to a lot of podcasts. So I riffed on a bunch of my favorites. I remixed them. I put them together in a way that I thought was unique and, 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 and was me. But we kind of did it halfway. We went maybe five years before I um, I was at a conference, and I had always thought that um, I had always thought that 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 our podcast was underrated. That you know what, more people should be listening to my podcast. And it was baloney that, that, that as few people were listening as we were listening. Like, don't get me wrong, we were doing well. I think we'd already won a couple of awards. The show was, in, in investing, it was like around number 25 or 30 in the nation on iTunes. But I'd look at like number 22, number 18, number 14. And I'm like, those jerks, I could be beating all of them. They don't have the product I have. And I started going to industry conferences, which is where you and I met was at an industry conference, right? And you go to these conferences And then you see how the real pros work. And I remember watching it at Podcast Movement one year, this great conference, um, watching Roman Mars, who's got a fantastic show called 99% Invisible. And he was talking about his five-week production schedule for making a show. He was talking about after it gets edited, he listens to it one more time before it goes out. He, uh, I listened to Aisha Tyler talking, a comedian talk about how this is her uh, homemade art project and about how she puts so much love into it. And I remember sitting in the front row in one of these keynotes and writing the, the phrase, you have the ranking you deserve. Like there might be three or four podcasts ahead of me that, yeah, okay, they're baloney, but the vast majority are kicking my ass. So, so what, I did what we did then. I went back to my co-host uh, and co-founder uh, OG and I said, we're going to blow up blogging. We're no longer going to blog. We're going to double down on the comedy. We're going to actually not just be two guys that are kind of funny. We're going to take some comedy classes. We're going to learn how to do comedy in a much better way. We're going we're gonna to structure the show. We're going to have a five-week process. Once again, stealing like an artist, stealing uh, Roman Mars' success story. And we're going to build this show so it's better. And immediately, we did that, and guess what happened? We lost a third of our listeners. Oh, you lost it. I had the most hate mail, dude. I had so much hate mail. I had people telling me, you killed my favorite show. Like, what the hell are you doing? And I kept saying, no, 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 we're not good at it yet, right? We're not good at it. We're going to get there, but I'm with you. I think the show kind of sucks. Like, it's not great, but I'll tell you, it took us about, I could have gone back, but it was kind of like that, you know, they talk about, you know, Troy and the Trojan horse and burning your ships. At that point, I burnt my ships. I said, I am not going back there. We are moving forward. And I just had to believe that this was the right thing. And it took us about six weeks. And in six weeks, you finally saw it start to recover. And we're three shows a week, right? So that's a lot of shows. So, 18 shows of brutal criticism from all your biggest fans telling you that you suck and you killed it and how could you do this to me? And then it finally starts rebounding. Within two and a half months, we'd regained all those people. And, but now, now, it was a hockey stick. Like, now we were moving. And, And then the awards started coming and, you know, people started talking about us and then it got really cool. That's fantastic. Now, it sounds like
0: you have dialed in Stacking Benjamins. Now you have a couple other podcasts. Now, for somebody that's listening to this um, right now and they're thinking, you know what, I actually want to do a podcast or it sounds something doable. Can you walk us through the process of how to start a podcast from, I, I, and I completely agree when you said, you know, like all the equipment all, what the hosting, that stuff's minuscule compared to what you really like. That's, that's no big deal. There's so many other things you need to be concerned about. So tell us, how do we get started podcasting?
1: Yeah, I'm not going to talk about the equipment because you can find that every place. Everywhere, else. everywhere. I'll, I'll talk about the other stuff, which is, um, so learn your space find out who's in your space, write down what you like, think about other spaces and how you can, can, can bring that. Some of my favorite foods, and I feel like a podcast chef, right? And I think to some degree, if you're successfully unemployed, you are, uh, you're bringing in these influences from all these different places. I love fusion food where they take an idea. And, and by the way, my son went to college in Austin, Texas, And if you like, I mean, Austin is the home of fusion food. Like they're taking Asian food in Southwest and Mexican food in Southwest and, you know, hot dogs in Southwest. Like they are, Austin's a great place to see all this. And it fills me full of energy to do your own fusion of your voice and this thing. I would also look at other types of podcasts and I'd say, how do I bring in what they're doing? So I'll give you an example for uh, Stacking Benjamins. If you listen to, you will never hear any of this without me telling you, by the way. If you listen to our show, you will realize that I based our theme at the beginning, now that I tell you this, you'll realize it, uh, on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, I know our show is a, is a, um, our show's a variety show, much like The Tonight Show is. We have a lot of different segments. We'll have like five segments on. Some shows will have four or five different guests on, different people that come on. And when we first started the show, I couldn't figure out how to signal people that we were going to have a lot going on. Then one night I'm watching the tonight show and I hear, uh, I hear the uh, announcer dude go, you know, live from Rockefeller center in the heart of New York city. It's the tonight show starring Jimmy Fallon on tonight's show. Boom, 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 boom. So you'll notice we have live from Joe's mom's half finished basement. It's the stacky Benjamin show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And coming up on today's show, we're going to do boom, 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 boom. I, I stole like an artist. You would have never known it had I not told you, but think about, you know, other brands. So I did that. I have ADD, as you can probably tell, everybody watching. So I I really like shows that move and have segments. Don't get me wrong. I love deep conversations too. It just is never going to be me. So so to have a show that's uniquely me, I'm going to have these segments. I got that from a board game podcast I listened to called The Dice Tower. The Dice Tower, believe it or not, there's podcasts about everything. There's podcasts about board games. This guy, Tom Vassell, has every seven or eight minutes, they're doing something different. What I love about that, Dustin, is instead of, instead of uh, killing the show if they don't like it, they just fast forward to the next uh, I would do it. I'd fast forward to the next thing. So hopefully people would give me longer if I had segments. And then I stole uh, this idea. I'm going to say this here. I'm not allowed to say this. My fans will kill me for saying this, but I really thought it was funny. I've been listening to this video game podcast for a long time called the Major Nelson Podcast. And Major Nelson always had a fun show, but then it would end and I'd turn it off. One day, my wife and I are in northern Michigan at this winery slash bed and breakfast, and I'm in the shower, and I have my phone, you know, out there playing the podcast really loud, might have had like a little uh, uh, Bluetooth radio, and the podcast ends, and I can't shut it off. About 45 seconds goes by, and these people start talking again. And then I realize every single show, I've been listening to the show for probably a year, every single show has a hidden track at the end. And it was so fun and it was so inside joke. And it was such a, I love the way I felt when I found that out. And so if you listen to my show, I'm not saying if we do it or not, but if you keep listening after the end, there might be something else that we don't talk about. It's a little like Fight Club. Uh, but, but even initially, like you look at the financial space, you've got Suzy Orman yelling at people about their money. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love what Susie's done for the community, but I don't want to yell at people about their money. Dave Ramsey, you get to do your debt-free yell. But he yells at people about their money. I told people I have nothing to say until I heard Car Talk. And Car Talk is a show where um, these two, do you know Car Talk? So Car Talk was on NPR for a long time. These guys, they call themselves Click and Clack. They're these brothers. One actually died recently, but they still replay Car Talk because the shows are so evergreen. They answer people's questions about cars. And what I realized, I'm mowing my lawn one day, and people would tell me for a year I should have a podcast. We've been thinking about it for a year, and we're like, okay. But I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And I'm mowing my lawn, and I'm listening to car talk, and I'm cracking up. And then I realize I'm not learning anything about a car. I'm learning zero about a car. And once again, Austin Cleon Steel Like an Artist, I went, nobody's doing that in finance. All of a sudden, I found my niche. So my first piece of advice, probably longer than you wanted, <laughs> Was, was, was appreciate the art that's around you already and learn what's out there and take pieces of those things and start putting it together in a way that's uniquely you because all those people I mentioned, none of those are Stacking Benjamins. Stacking Benjamins is this fusion of all these things in a way that's uniquely ours. I love that idea because there, like you said, there are
0: loads and loads of podcasts. Imagine in 10 years, how many podcasts there are going to be. There's going to be so many more. So right now it's the best time to start. I mean, obviously 20 years ago would have been great. Or if it was around like 10 years ago, would have yes. been great to have done it. But right now is the best time to start. What do you think?
1: Well, yes. And, and that's actually leads to my second point. So thank you for the transition, which is, which is this, Dustin, you're going to suck. Like there's just no way around it. Your first thing's gonna be bad, so get get over it and get it out there because you can't, you, you know. Uh, so part of the reason why people didn't think I'd be a good financial planner at first was because my degree's in English, but I'll tell you, working working on revisions is easier than working from a white page. So when you start writing something, you got the white page, it's horrible. Write anything. It's not going to be as bad as you think. And then look at it and then play with it. Because for most of us, revising is way easier. And you can't revise until you put something on the page. So make something, realize it's going to suck, and then reiterate. Uh, Stacking Benjamin is actually our third iteration of our podcast. Our first podcast, because we knew we were going to stink, we called our website was called The Free Financial Advisor. So our podcast, we named the worst of the free financial advisor for two reasons. We knew it was going to suck. And number two, though, we thought it was funny. We thought people would listen because it's funny and we knew we wanted to be funny. We hadn't studied comedy yet, but we thought we could, you know, we're a couple funny money guys. So uh, we named it that, but we also called it the worst because we knew that wasn't going to be the title long-term and we didn't know what the title was going to be. We just knew we had to start. So, we decided that much like baseball has spring training for everybody to get ready, you know, before the season starts, we decided that the worst of the free financial advisor was going to be a podcast that was going to die. And so we created this podcast that we knew was going to have 13 episodes, 13, unlucky number. I thought 13 was about enough episodes for us to figure out what the hell we were doing. How do you upload it? What equipment do we need? Where are we messing it up? And we did it. 13, I'd say by episode five or six and you can speak to this, by episode five or six, you kind of got it. Like, you don't have it completely. You're not a master yet, but now uploading is easy. The equipment, you know where you messed up. You can send stuff back. You can get new stuff. You can redesign your script. You can listen to the show and redo the show, but just, get out there and get it started. That's somewhat like ours or mine. So
0: I have master passive income podcast or the show that's yeah. where I have, I don't know, 80 plus almost 90 shows now starting this one, where I have a successful unemployed as well. Um, I also have another podcast called watch and learn podcast where my brother and I, he's 600 miles away and it's a time for us to get together. We watch movies and then we podcast about it. <laughs> and it's more just because we want to connect and we put it out there. But before all of that, and he has his own podcast teaching poker, how to play poker and that's his podcast so before that When The Walking Dead TV show came out, I thought, we both thought we want to do podcasts for my master passive income and his smart poker study. He wanted to do a podcast. We want to do podcasts. So I said, let's just do a podcast to get work the bugs out. Let's just do it. So we had, I want to say like 40 episodes until we got tired of the show. We're like, let's move on. But we had, we literally did the entire podcast about The Walking Dead. And we had a lot of followers, but it wasn't our passion. It wasn't, but anyways, we learned really easily by doing it. And people yeah. followed us, and so now with the, it's so easy now to start a podcast. Once you have the equipment, like two little, literally a laptop and one microphone that goes in USB. If you have that, yeah. you're totally fine, in my opinion. And so
1: it's absolutely easy to start a podcast. Absolutely, but, but it, and that said, remember what I said about MLMs earlier: low barrier to entry. So yeah. that means if you podcast, and you and I see this in online forums all the time, people think they're going to get rich right away. I'm not here because of the big podcasting money. I'm not here because of that. The show makes money. It does better every year, but we're in the top one half of 1% of all podcasts that are out there. Um, so the, uh, the, 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 the chance that you're going to make money doing this not a reason to do it. I think for most people, having it support some other passion, like you like The Walking Dead, or you like the, um, uh, or you have a business flipping houses, or you know what I mean, whatever it might be, that 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 business, a podcast is a great way to get the word out about yourself and to support that. But realize you're still going to have to hustle because, much like anything else with a low barrier to entry, it's so easy that that you can't just build it and people will come. You can't do that. I agree. So
0: with starting that you have some great points. So you gave us two points. Do you have any other points in if we're going to be starting a podcast for our business and use that to where we have actually be able to make money? What other points should we look at or start implementing into our lives so we can have a podcasting business?
1: Yeah. Uh, last thing is everybody, I'm going to continue, uh, I guess, on the riff that we just started with. You can't just uh, put it out there, but when people do discover it, I get really frustrated when new podcasters say, um, how, do I, how do I make my audience bigger? How do I make my audience bigger? How do I make my, You know how you make your audience bigger? You make the show bingeable. You make it so that people love it so much they want another one. So the best advertising of all is the product. So I will tell you that working on your product and making it better and better and better, while you still need a marketing strategy above this, I hear so many people over the years have said, hey, can you help me make my podcast better? excuse me, that's what they should be saying. What they say is, can you help more people listen? Because I can't figure out the marketing. And then I go listen to their podcast and the podcast sucks. And the reason nobody listens is because it sucks. Like hone your craft, get good at the craft and uh, think about it like a Netflix show. You know, I I, I mean, you're talking about The Walking Dead. You get finished with an episode of The Walking Dead. They leave you on a cliffhanger. You want to fire up the next one immediately. And, And when they first came out, remember you had to wait for the next one, so, so you, want, you want people to feel that way about your product, and it's not gonna be there right away, but that's kind of your end goal, and um, that would be my recommendation for marketing. More than anything, serve your customer. If they love you, they will tell everybody.
0: So you've given us some great ways to get started, to get, start really honing down your craft and making sure we have a good podcast. Now, what are some ways to monetize, really basically to start making money from podcasting?
1: Realize what point of podcasting you're at. Sometimes the, the 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 name is more important than the money. And and let me e- explain that. I don't I don't think I've ever told you this story. This is so so uh, when we were first going for advertisers, uh, I will give the opposite advice that I always heard. The, the advice I always heard about monetization is wait until monetization until you have an audience. I'll I'll say that's crap. As somebody who has listened to podcasts for a long time, and the reason I believe that. Um, is because of the fact that when I've listened to podcasts, I remember this one podcast uh, called the Giant Bombcast. Another video. I never have time to play video games, but for some reason, I like listening to all the podcasts, hearing about all the new stuff, right? Um, and when I do, I just play golf, so or a racing game. But I like listening. I like the technology talks. Um, so this show, the Giant Bombcast, huge show. I think part of the CBS network, a podcast, few hundred thousand listeners. These guys didn't have advertising in their show. And then I've been listening for a few years and these money-grubbing a-holes went and ruined my show by adding advertisements. And by the way, the next like three shows in a row, they had to issue apologies and whatever, but they were going to still have ads and it's okay. People will tell you, I've heard Tim Ferriss say this. People don't know Tim Ferriss, big name in podcasting, big, great thinker, but he's like, wait till you have a big listenership and then monetize. That's what's going to happen. You're going to make a bunch of people upset. What was funny though was in my head though, Dustin, it was, a, it was a double, I had a double standard as a listener. I was all upset like everybody else at the dudes at Giant Bomb. And then you know what I realized? There's all these other podcasts I've been listening to, but because they had ads since the beginning, I accepted them. So I would say from the very beginning, carve out if you're going to have ads in your podcast, have ads. If you're going to monetize a different way, if you're going to have, um, if you're going to support another business that you have, if you've got books or something else, uh, do that from the beginning. Figure out your strategy at the start. Then I'll say, I'll say this next, which is, remember, people come for what it says at the on the uh, uh, top of your episode. So if your episode says how to podcast with Joe Salcihai. Don't start off with three minutes of take Dustin's course on XYZ. New people, new people are only going to give you make 30, 40 seconds. When I listen to a new podcast, I don't give you that much time. If you're talking about something other than what it says in the title, I'm gone. Um, So cover that at the start. At the end, you're going to have fewer listeners that stay with you the entire show. But I would, I would always mark it there. You know why? Because those people love you and they want more. And those people, when you market to them, they're happy. They're like, wow, I can get more Joe and and by buying his book, by doing his course, by doing his whatever, by joining his Facebook group, whatever the thing is that I'm trying to do. So, I would say get to the meat quickly at the start, community at the end, and feel free to sell at the end. Now, with ads, advertising is going to make you do a little thing in the beginning and, and some in the middle of the show. And I would figure out how to kind of you know, make it good for your advertiser, but also make it so it doesn't upset your 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 folks. But I led earlier with this talking about a story that I hadn't told you. Early on, I'm at this I'm at this event that you and I go to called FinCon and I'm walking around the hall of FinCon. I'm trying to figure out my goal there is to figure out how to get an advertiser for my show. And I walk by this little company called Fidelity Investments. I'm sure nobody's heard of them, right? Huge company. If you haven't heard of them, they're a monster huge company. So I walk by Fidelity and this little voice in the back of my head goes, what the hell, ask them. I mean, what can it hurt? Just go, just go ask him. And, you know, the other voice goes, no, it's Fidelity. And you're nobody. Nobody knows Stacky Benjamins. I'm like, come on. What's just, all they can say is no. At least you can practice, right? So I walk up to this guy, and I just met the guy yesterday. His name's Ben, or the day before. His name's Ben. And I, and I said, hey, Ben, you ever think about sponsoring a podcast? Because I really think that what you guys do and what I do really go hand in hand. And, by the way, if you're going to have advertisers, it's a great way to talk to them. Tell them about why they should partner with you because you have similarities. And so he goes, he goes, really, how? I said, well, you know, we're a couple of, I'm a former financial planner. I was with a big responsible company, American Express. A lot of people like them, like they like Fidelity. Um, my co-host is a certified financial planner. He's a fee-based advisor. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's a guy that has a wonderful track record. If you listen to the show, you'll see that we, we love advice. We are advice friendly work with good companies. You guys have a great reputation. I think we'd fit. And he goes, because this is in the earlier days, he goes, I don't don't really know much about podcasting. So, um, but we we have a blogger budget. Maybe I could dip into my blogger budget a little bit. How much money are you looking for, Joe? (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yes. Great question. Well, so here's what I thought. When he asked that, I thought, this is Fidelity Investments. I should go flipping big but then i thought about at this point in my podcast trajectory when i'm really small i can go for a lot of money or i can go for something that's probably better which is to say the stacking benjamin show is brought to you by fidelity investments and then everybody listening goes these guys are shooters like, people that know money, Vanguard, Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, like these big names, everybody who's a money nerd will go, well, I should listen to them because they partner with Fidelity. So, I did the opposite of what you would usually think. I lowballed the dude. I said, I said, a hundred bucks. And he goes, and he looks at me like, I'm, he goes, a hundred bucks for, for how much, for, for how much time? I said, for a month. That'd be, you know, we'd have you guys on one show a month. At that time, we weren't three days a week yet. We were only one day a week. We'll have you on one show a month. So $25 a show just covers my cost, which is what really what I want to do here. And um, I need a three-month commitment. Because I thought if I, can, if I can have Fidelity for three months, and maybe I can upsell them later. He said yes. For three months. I got to say, Stacky Benjamin is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. And it was fantastic. Um, and our show grew a lot. And we would, get, we would get letters from people, notes from people going, wow, you guys got Fidelity. It's fantastic! You, you guys are awesome. You're fantastic. At the end of three months, he didn't renew. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you got to have that on there. <laughs> exactly. So yes. what,
0: what you said um, a few minutes ago was that you want to have the, the ads or the pitch or something at the end. Which you know, the people that I really like, you they're gonna listen to the end, and they can listen, and they can appreciate. It. Hey, okay, now he's offering something that's contrary yeah. to what I've heard other people say. Other people say, well, let's look at how often do people listen to the entire show? Yes, maybe twenty-five percent listen to the entire show. So you want to put the offer or the pitch in the beginning? What are your thoughts about that?
1: I hate it. Uh, if, with advertisers, I'll tell you, if you listen to our show, they're in the beginning and the middle. We have a very short mention at the beginning and the middle, but we're contractually obligated to do that. And advertisers are a different thing. But if it's your thing and you're pitching them, I think you're upsetting your new listeners, your new, your new viewers, your new listeners. I think they're not going to buy anyway. I think the downside is way, way, way greater. I get, I get you're like, listen, you're going to have half the audience. I've seen the stats on our show. I know people come back every episode because the numbers, you know, stay relatively the same from episode to episode. So I know people come back, but they don't listen to the whole show. So why the hell would I give away all these people at the beginning? Because I don't want to piss people off. Because I don't, because I don't, I, I don't you know, in, in, in communication class, communication 101 in college, there is a, a sender of a message, there's a receiver of a message, and there's friction. The beginning of my show is to have as little friction as possible so that more people love me. The more they love me, the more they'll stick around for more of the show. The more they stick around for more of the show, the more they want to buy. They get to the end of my show. It's a bunch of people that want to buy my stuff. So where we look at a funnel for bloggers, start here, do this, do this, do this, I believe that's a funnel for a podcaster. Make people love you first. Once they love you, they'll buy everything that you have. Why are we going to make people upset and create a bunch of friction and slow down the growth rate of our show? Versus make them love us. Maybe sell a little bit less today, but but turn people into raving fans that buy tons of stuff from you later. It's yeah, tough. I I, get it. I completely agree with that. And what I
0: found, so with master passive income, with my show, with about teaching about real estate, it's solely about real estate. And I don't put any ads in there. You know, my wife said, well, why don't you put ads on there and make some money? I'm like, well, because that's not the goal. It's not to make money from the show. It's to get people to know who I am and then realize that, hey, Dustin knows what we are talking about. He has 30 plus properties. He's teaching this. He already has coaching students. I want to continue with him. And so what happens is I don't give them. I, this is what I do. I literally don't say, you know, go buy this or go buy that. I said, you know what? I want to give you something for free. Come, you know, text this to this. And then I will give this to you for free and you'll get so much free content. And eventually that's when hey, once they bought into me, then it's like, OK, now I have something
1: to offer. If you're ready, then go right ahead. So I completely yes. agree with that. Join my community be a part of the community, learn what I'm all about, be brave enough, I think brave is a good word, be brave enough uh, to trust the fact that people are going to love what you offer. And then the other thing that that does too, it makes you create stuff people are gonna love, which is how bad is that? If you're making something that you're proud about walking down the street, you know the people love what you do, that's a pretty kick-ass place to be.
0: I agree, now Joe, you also coach people and podcasting and stuff like that. Is this something you do normally?
1: No. And, and I get asked all the time. I do coach uh, a couple people, but I coach them because I really like them. They're good friends. And I want to see, see shows succeed in my genre. I also believe that, and I believe this for everybody when you have to, and this is why, partly why, you know, being a teacher and a track coach was important to me and why teaching just in general about money is important to me. If you have to teach something, it makes you better at it. Because you want to make sure that you know what the hell you're talking about. So me coaching a couple people and being in a mastermind with some people forces me to continue to sharpen my saw and be better at my trade and what I do. So I don't—I really don't want these guys to hear this, but I don't really coach them for the money they pay me. I'm have anything worth doing, by the way, I believe is worth doing for money and, and you should do it for money. But, but, uh, and, and it has value. So it should, but I don't really do it for the money. I do it to make myself a stronger podcaster with what I do, knowing that I have to, that I'm going to have to, uh, teach other people to do the same. I love that. That's great. So, Joe, now we're at the point where I want to do a rapid
0: fire questions, getting <laughs> into some part guts of for you. I,
1: this is the part I always when when I watch your stuff, I get really nervous about <laughs> all right. So because
0: being successful and unemployed and not having to work for somebody, you have a little more free time. Obviously you got businesses and stuff, but what are you doing with your time to make the world or just around
1: you a better
0: place for other people to live in?
1: I I'm involved with local charities. I absolutely love it, and, and again, and this is gonna sound make me sound like a horrible human being, I started off doing it just to get involved in my community, and now I do it to feed my soul. It feeds my soul so much to be involved in my community, and it's really, really fun. And you know what? When I first got involved, I thought that I didn't have the time, and and that's baloney, and it's an excuse, and it really makes you makes you love it. So I tell everybody, go get involved in your community. I completely agree. The
0: more people that I help, more people that I serve, the better I feel. I just feel like, man, I just feel like I'm valued. You know, so great. Absolutely. Okay. So next question: If you were to give advice to your younger self, any advice at all about business, about how the trajectory where you where you're going and where you've been, what would you tell your younger self?
1: Don't try to reinvent the wheel all the time. I always thought that I had to learn every piece of business by myself. And uh, there were a few times where I had mentors right in front of me uh, offering to help me. And I said no. And now I surround myself with coaches all the time. I surround myself with coaches who are better than me. I want to be the dumbest person that I surround myself with as often as possible. Um, a, it pushes me to be a better human being. It pushes me in those areas. And I realize I don't have to be an expert at everything. Uh, I just got off the phone before you and I talked with my, with my, um, my uh, diet and, uh, and uh, uh, physical training coach, uh, Jesse. And, and Jesse's amazing. I mean, Jesse knows more about uh, diet than I will ever know. And I frankly can just do what Jesse tells me. Um, she, she still guides me because I, you know, as an adult, I need to know how it works. But but Jessie does things in a great way, too, that I appreciate. Um, Jesse wrote me. I was at a conference, and she knows that I go off the deep end with my eating at conferences. And halfway through this conference, I was just at a couple of weeks ago, she sent me a text that said, hey, Joe, haven't heard from you in a couple of days. And this was the punch in the flipping gut. She goes, how do you feel about the food choices you're making? <laughs> don't say, how do I feel? Don't tell me that. Don't, don't ask me that. So I love it. I love it. Jesse's one of my favorite people and I hate her. So. <laughs> I can learn from
0: anybody, but at the same time, I always want to be around smarter people. And so that's, I love that point. Now, what tools are you currently using that are helping you with your business and life and everything like that we can use?
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the first one is, um, uh, I, use, I use something called Todoist. Uh, I really like about it. I learned about it from a really great um, uh, podcaster who also, his show was turned into a Netflix special called Lore, Aaron Manke. Um To-do is just a great, it's just a great to-do list, you know? And it's and it's nice because it it puts all my to-dos on my phone, on my screen. It all interacts. I put it in one place, it shows up everywhere. You know, people use Evernote and stuff like that. So that's nice. Um, I had a device given to me, which I also like, which I'll try to explain very quickly, which is, Without thinking about it too much, when do you think you're going to die um and everybody needs to, to 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 think about as you're doing going through this what age you think you're going to die i said when 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 this coach presented this to me i said eighty two and then um and then said okay, imagine that you're eighty years old and you're healthy. what do you want to be doing and wrote down all those things, so write down all those things as you're watching this, write down all that stuff, and then what where um if you do all those things. So for me at 80, at 80 years old, I wanted to be competitive. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be a resource for the people around me, like my kids, my grandkids. I want to be a resource for all these people around me. I want to be, I want to be a trusted source of advice. I want, to be a, 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 I want to be a helpful person in my community. And then my coach said, if you do all those things at 80, how many more years do you think you'd live? Because you know, you read about all these people that pass away just because of boredom or they atrophy or whatever. How many more years for you those things? I'm like, I would live to be 100. So she goes, okay, you got 18 more years now. You gave yourself 18 more years. What are you going to do with those 18 years? And then I wrote down, well, I'm going to travel more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I wrote down all that stuff. So I hope people paused and they did all those things because then she, Gina, my coach that did this, Punch me in the gut and she goes, okay, why are you going to wait till 80 to do all that stuff? Why aren't you focusing on that now? Because we're all focusing on this little crap that keeps us from all these big things. And man, I had that happen like six months ago. That was the best tool ever. So when you ask tools, it, it just, you take out a sheet of paper, you do that exercise and uh, And you realize really quickly what 's important
0: well it 's a, a huge word it 's called perspective. having the yeah. perspective to see in the future, see where you are now I think that 's fantastic. So the last question, what is one nonfiction book that you would recommend everybody to
1: read to become successful unemployed oh there's so well y- you know what I got to go back to the basic one, the one I quote all the time that our fans laugh about because I've even dropped some of this guy's knowledge here today, and and didn't quote him, which I totally should have, because now I do it without even thinking about it. But Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the best books of all time. I talked earlier about sharpen the saw, beginning with the end in mind, right? Um, those are two of the seven habits. And I, when I read the book at first, when I was younger, that was okay, that was decent. Man, I'm 51 now, Dustin. that book like shaped me in ways that i i never knew at the time
0: i completely agree even if you just pick up the book and read the titles they really just help you like (laughs) it's like wow real oh my goodness that's it's common sense it after you read it you're thinking oh yeah that makes sense but we never do it and so that's a great great book i definitely highly recommend that one too I I
1: had a mentor tell me one time, he said to your point about, oh, this is all common sense. He said, the question isn't whether you've heard it. The question is, are you doing it?
0: I completely agree. Joe, hey, you've been fantastic. You give us so much great value and resources. How can somebody reach out to you? I know we get stacking Benjamins, but tell us a little bit about how somebody can find you.
1: Yes. Well, you will find our podcast all over the internet. So wherever finer podcasts are distributed, or frankly, any podcasts are distributed, you'll find us, uh, StuckyBenjamins.com. We are, we go live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have a second show called Money with Friends. So if you just like financial headlines and you only have 15 minutes, Bobby Rebel, who's a former CNBC person, well, she's on CNBC still today to some degree, and uh, Reuters reporter, she and I and some thought leaders talk about news headlines. And that one's 10 to 15 minutes. We do it live on Facebook. Uh, And you can find the audio wherever you listen to audio podcasts.
0: Awesome. Joe, it's been fantastic. So much great insights in there. So thank you. I really, really appreciate your time. This has been a blast. Thanks a ton, Dustin. All right, man, you take care. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. It'll be in the description, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. You can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in Successful Unemployed, more than likely you're gonna find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, Share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.